Welcome to Take Note. This is a podcast about keeping a notebook and paying attention. I am Adam, here with my buddy Ted. Say hi, Ted. Hi, Adam. <laughs> hi, Ted. And because this is a decasode, we're also here with number one fan of the show and occasional co-host, Ryan Sly. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm good. It feels like I was just here eight to ten weeks ago. <laughs> yep. Yes, it does. Ryan, it is great to have you back. Everybody loves when you're on the show. Um, I get to be in the same room as Ryan. What a what a thrill that is for me. Yeah, it's great to be back. It's good to be in the same room over here in Studio C. Happy uh, 150th episode to you both. Sheesh, we put it that way. It sounds pretty good. Thank you. But uh, I have a party hat on, and so does my life-size Ryan Sly cutout. Huh. <laughs> so... Uh, on the show, we ask each other what we've written on our notebook. Ted, what do you got? Well, I I went to New York City not too long ago for a work trip, which, who, how long has it been since anybody has said those words all together at one time? But I, I had quite a time. I did go get by myself, so it was a relatively solitary trip. And one one evening, uh, I, I sat in a bar reading a book, uh, and, you know, texting people and stuff, uh, and ate dinner there just all by my lonesome, and it was delightful, and I watched the world pass me by there in the city, and uh, it was a little uh, little jazz bar at the bottom of my hotel, and there were various, there was a, there was a live band playing, and there was a, a bartender who, uh, who I got to watch operate for a while, and that uh, wrote some of that down, so the jazz band said, uh, you know, he was finishing up a session all the way we're coming here our drummer choosy potato comes all the way from the bay area and the bartender muttered under his breath so that only i and a few other could be in hey, chesapeake bay area it's like well played <laughs> sir uh, and then a bit of a character sidled up to the bar kind of a uh, right out of central casting obnoxious new york uh, pretentious sort of young person like not quite a hipster but just demanding bar customer this was not like uh, a cocktail but they didn't have a list of you know a hundred custom whatever perfectly honed cocktails but the guy he would say hey, what do you have mm-hmm. just really got that deliberative tone to his voice and uh, he said yeah hmm do you have a bourbon list? Bartender said, nope. I said, uh, hmm, you don't have a lot of gin. Uh, nope. Or tequila? Nope. <laughs> that was how that went. It was pretty great. Um, <laughs> a few minutes later, he was he was sitting there waiting for somebody, but it was a while. Or no, actually, he was waiting for somebody. His, his, his lady arrived, and they were chatting. Seemed fairly normal. Then uh, another person came sat down to the left of the guy and kind of settled in, had a, I don't know, an iPad or something going on. And the original guy uh, catches, uh, catches the bartender's eye, says, hey, you got a new customer over here. <laughs> and the bartender looks at him and goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. And I was, I was just soaking all this in and... Uh, Later, he was got his drink. Here, you, and the bartender said, "Here you go, Bubba." Gave him his drink. <laughs> anyway, it was a delight. Uh, that bartender. This was uh, 
this was the the jazz bar, the Refinery Hotel. I'm giving it a shout out because he made this bartender made the best old fashioned I've ever had in my life. Uh, but those were my notes from sitting out by myself in the jazz bar. Uh, what do you got, Adam? Well, I, yeah, there's really nothing like a professional in New York who just like they don't put up. You know, he's he's he knows what he's doing. He's there doing it every day, and for God knows how many people. And uh, you yep. can't rattle them. It was unrivaled. That sounds fantastic. Spectacular. All right, here's what I've written in my notebook. At the fun fair, the balloon artist is making balloon swords, clearly against district policy. Because it's, it's a weapon. Um, <laughs> he's wearing a Declaration of Independence shirt, which also features a bald eagle and an American flag... And it reminds me of an image I always wanted to use in a story. And I don't know where I got this image from. Like, I don't know if I just invented it or if I saw, like, some version of it and it, and, um, and elaborated it in my head. But the images of a large man wearing silk boxers featuring images from the Old Testament. That's what I got. <laughs> what do you got, Ryan? <laughs> All right. In my uh, Field Notes Leap of Faith Light Bright edition, I wrote a series of uh, tweet pretexts written uh, you know, by an old man on Twitter. Uh, these are legitimate you know, beginnings of tweets. Uh, and they go such, the fact remains. I say again, <laughs> here's the deal. Here's the deal. Good news, folks. This is what I'm talking about. Here's the deal. Good news, folks. Here's the truth. We'll give it to you straight, as I promised I always would. More good news. It's official, folks. The bottom line is this. As I told world leaders today, folks, we're just a bunch of folks. Hey, gang? Here's the tweet. Those are, well, except for the last one, all... The beginnings of tweets by one President Joseph Biden, (laughs) who I noticed ages ago, starts every tweet that he sends with something that could be deleted entirely from his tweet. (laughs) He could just get to the actual tweet. In the case of uh, President Biden, though, the the lead up to the tweet is actually more of him (laughs) than the actual tweet, like... That's who he re- he really is. The word "folks" that's like his his actual. Is it possible? Self. This is, I'm not making a joke, because it it sound like an offensive joke. Is it is it possible that that is something that has creeped into his writing from being a stutterer? Like as a stutterer, does he need to start with a, a like a phrase that's not important, and then? I just assume that someone on his team is sending these, trying to sound like Joe Biden. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it could be that, actually. Nailed the voice. What would he say? Hmm. Hey, gang. <laughs> what, what did he say 10 minutes ago that I can use on this tweet? Hey, folks, we're quite a gang, aren't we here? I love it. I like the one where he said folks and gang in the same <laughs> sentence. So I, I briefly forgot that uh, he... He probably doesn't write his own tweets like the last guy. <laughs> See, what do you got, Ted? Um, 
my wife said the other day it's summer's here and uh, that means preparing for the elements outside she said i feel like i smell like bug spray because i put bug spray on earlier what do you got adam <laughs> cause and effect man cause and effect uh, did i i didn't use i didn't use that one already did i in the past i mean i don't know if you did but it, it's a gem so all right it's worth use it twice if you have to it's worth it <laughs> All right, I've just got two words here, uh, Maryland stapler, and uh, big news today in the house, um, my my wife's Etsy store, etsy.com slash shop slash quiet collector, sold a stapler to a film production crew that needed a vintage stapler for a TV show that's being wow. filmed in Maryland. Wow. And, uh, and so we were very excited about it, and... Um, uh, my son made an actually funny joke. And that might seem cruel for me to say that he made an actually funny joke. But I mean, I've been going on a solid year of him telling me every day that I'm not funny. So, you know, he could revenge. Yeah, he could. Yeah, he could take it. But he um, so so we talked about the fact that we're going to have to watch the show when it comes out and see if we can see the stapler. And I was like, yeah, you know, it'll be like blurry in a corner and we'll be all excited and uh jennifer said i i don't know if we can all watch the show because i think it's like a crime show and logan is like what if the stapler is the murder weapon nice <laughs> yeah i mean that'd be huge maryland stapler. That's an amazing uh i love that how, so how did you suss out that uh that the, this was who purchased it uh they said is there any way you can ship it immediately because it's for a tv show we are filming in maryland and we oh. can't we're at the murder scene and we can't continue <laughs> filming until we get the, the murder weapon. That's right. Please. That's right. And then we're cynical. So we were like, eh, come on, maybe that's just something people say to people. But uh, we did a little Googling. We think it's true. All right. In my uh, trailhead edition here that I'm using currently, I wrote uh, some things I saw on the way to work here. Um, on the, on the road to the office, I saw a Mustang with a license plate, run good as in this car run good or i run good or perhaps i direct a charitable foundation i'm not sure which also seen on the same drive a man rolling his old toyota mr2 down the feeder road i didn't catch his license plate run bad <laughs> my wife said to me uh my wife texted me the other day that she saw a great license plate twerk tm and i was so proud to be able to respond seen it wow oh. a neighborhood celebrity <laughs> yep <laughs> i didn't this is not a what do you got but i saw one today that on a tesla that said smh gas <laughs> oh that's fantastic ryan you had a you got a staple day yarn to spin for us i do i typically write these for uh the prompts that that adam sends and this one comes from a different prompt with that which i'll which i'll let you know or i'll reveal after i read this but um <clears throat> not too long uh, what do you want to bet he comes back with powdered detergent i asked my friend as we stared out at the inflatable slip and slide positioned between the yacht club and the marina the birthday girl's dad was sent out 
to the Dollar General to buy detergent in hopes of making the slip and slide more slippery. The whole concept seemed flawed. Wouldn't liquid dish soap be less likely to result in chemical burns, my friend wondered? Either way, they'll be lemony fresh. We watched the kids continue diving face first into the slip and slide, stopping consistently about halfway down and flailing and flopping their way to the end where they dropped into a little pool of water, jumped out and ran back to start again. Nothing some concentrated chemical cleaning products couldn't fix. (laughs) When birthday dad returned, there were no less than four jokes that he'd mistakenly bought Tide Pods. Wow, you really bought powdered detergent, we noted in disbelief. Incredulously, we stood by as he dumped the detergent liberally up and down the inflatable track as an older child trailed him with a hose, diluting and spreading the cleanser over every inch of the surface. When the children resumed slipping and sliding, there weren't any distinguishable improvements to the results, but I did hear several complaints about burning eyes and itchy skin. The dads and I grew bored of watching, so we left to go drink beer on a boat for a while. When we finally returned, the slip and slide had been deflated and most of the kids had left. I suppose we'd better head back to Houston too, so I yelled to my kids to say thank you and grab their things. My skin's either sunburned or that detergent seriously gave me a rash or something, my daughter said. Yeah, it's tough to say, I said. How about you, boy? The boy stopped crying long enough to show me the hives up and down the front of his body. Lots of kids had a bad reaction to that slip and slide, he added. (laughs) Yeah, that was a fun time, I said. Y'all dry? They nodded and climbed into the car. We honked as we pulled out of the parking lot to head home, but as I turned onto the road, I lost power. The battery warning light came on and everything else shut off. Kids, I barked into the back seat. Are y'all dry? Sheepishly, they looked up and admitted, not entirely. Sure enough, I could see they were not only still a little wet, but sitting on damp towels. Guess we better push you back into the lot and get a ride home. You know how sensitive the Prius can be, I scolded them. (laughs) Damn thing hasn't run the same ever since, but I can't seem to make myself sell it. That's written for a prompt, what's killing the Prius? As we discussed with a friend at a birthday dinner the other night about his aging Prius and the tiny things that destroy it. When he, when the topic of what killed his Prius came up, I, it, it was like a bolt of inspiration struck me because I immediately thought of two other Prius owners who had described to me the ways in which their Priuses had died. And I thought... If I know three people whose Priuses have died in strange ways, there must be an absolute Alexandria library of these (laughs) stories across our nation. So I ask you, take note, listeners, if your Prius died in some strange way, please reach out. Uh, Send us a message. You don't even have to tell it. You could do a voice memo and we'll play it on the podcast. That would be fun. Uh, or send us an email and we can shoot you back and then you can send us the voicemail. Whatever it is, just tell us. Your You're stories. always asking for a voice memo, know. Ted, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you the question I always ask you. How do you want people to send you a voice memo? Yeah, they can't. Uh, <laughs> they can't do the form on our website. But if they send us a message, we can send it back and then they can email us. Yeah, also if they more. send you a voice memo and they, they do it in the Prius, it's going to break the Prius. That Yeah, explicitly prohibited. I want to know 
how your Prius died. I think they That's should tweet it know. to us, but without any context. So I, the word Prius shouldn't be in the tweet. <laughs> how did it die? Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Brian. Thank you for reading that. Good times. Uh, summer's upon us, uh, especially here in Houston where it's like 98 degrees and have been to seven pool parties and uh and and here we go and and summer camp plans are made for the children etc etc so we thought that was our chance to check in take note style on the uh the upcoming summer season crippling heat uh blazing sunshine uh debilitating vacations uh creative aspirations so the first you know the first thing we wanted to dig into was uh favorite or notable sweaty summer books i mean i think i think we uh, popular culture has has uh tried to push on us this idea of a beach read um which i think is overstated but i i do think there's a category of books that are fantastic to read in the summertime to me that's because they're sweaty not that they're necessarily beachy or or uh, light-hearted or fluffy or, or those sort of things, but because they're weird and sweaty and uh, just give you that sort of strange mix of nostalgia and physical discomfort, but you're enjoying the sunshine and s- certain things seem possible until until uh, reality corrects you. Uh, I don't know. This is a, To me, this is a genre. So um, I thought we'd bandy about a few ideas. Adam, what are your ideas? And then I'll throw mine in the ring. I am not sure that the idea that I have right off the top of my head is nostalgia-inducing or discomfort. But but I'm going to work through the conversation. Instead of listening to your answers, I'm going to think about what (laughs) might fit that prompt. But the one that I came up with is uh, the novels of Carl Hyacin. So I read one a few months ago Hmm. and this uh i've got a list here of things that we're going to talk about and one of the things uh, one of the the first thing that i wrote down on the list was shake off the tired spring books and read what you love and this kind of fits in with that Mm. because um yeah the the two books that i was most two spring books i was most excited to read about see our spring books preview were lousy and uh and really <laughs> and i was just uh, i couldn't get past them and then this was so a carl hyacin book called nature girl is what helped me get past him and I, I don't know if you guys have read him or if you've read elmore leonard I like elmore leonard a lot uh carl hyacin still alive very very much in the uh elmore leonard model where they're kind of crime books but not necessarily like they can just be like people doing things they shouldn't be doing kind of things and uh, all of Carl Hyacin's books are set in Florida, and they're very sweaty. And so my goal, so uh, so I read Nature Girl and really liked it. It's not, you know, it's vaguely trashy. Like, it's not dirty, but it's, I don't know, it's vaguely trashy. It's set in Florida. Um, but on my list, the two that I want to read next are uh, Sick Puppy or Skinny Dip, because I found on the Goodreads, the people who I know who I would not have expected to like trashy books gave uh, gave those books uh, high ratings. So they're well-received books, and his books are page-turners, and so you never get stuck in it. So Carl Heisen, 
Skinny Dipper, Sick Puppy. Those are my sweaty books for the summer. That's awesome. I love, I love the read what you love idea. Uh, that that plays perfectly into my pick, which uh, which is something I'm halfway through, but loving every minute of it. And that is the second book in the Neapolitan trilogy from Elena Ferrante, the story of a new name, um, which uh, like this read what you love idea. I'd finished a couple. Uh, a couple rough books. One of them was Palimpsest, with those, which those sons of bitches over at the Erasable <laughs> Podcast decided to uh, make their book club book. Uh, no, it was it was interesting, but it was uh, it was a doozy. And so I came out of that one wanting to read what I loved, and and I read my brilliant friend last summer, and it just took over my brain and, and has lived there. It's in a little in a little. Italian apartment in some corner of my brain ever since and and in looking for something that I wanted to just really love I grabbed the second one and it just absolutely has sucked me right in that book picks up minutes after you know plot wise after the conclusion of the previous book so you 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 feel utterly sucked back into the same timeline the same voice the same you know uh, dense sort of community family crazy you know trauma beach young love italian it's amazing and it's it's sweaty and it's it's 60s and you know analog and you know life is kind of simple in a way and it's you know uh scooters in the italian beach town and so so to me read what you love is right in with that and i think you know you're talking about hyacinth i've never read him but there is that category of of trashy books that aren't so terrible that if you like reading well-written books, you just can't even stand to read it. Like it it's hangs on that boundary between readable and fun, which is not not an easy one. Um, and I think Ferrante is maybe on this side of the the literary side, um, but there are elements of just melodrama and human humanity. Um, the details of humans navigating their lives, which really make it, I mean, it's just really scratching the itch for me here in the early summer season. Those Ferrante books are just amazing. And they're page turners and uh, they're, they're very sweaty, but they're page turners. And it's, it, you, I don't know, when you're reading them, I, I felt like I was reading the greatest books ever. Like I was shocked by yeah. how good they were and that well, they were page turners. Is there, it, it's funny because there are, it's almost it's almost the cilantro of books because there are people who I know who love reading. My mother is one of them. My friend Katie is another. They're just voracious readers. Both of them despise these books. They just don't like them, which I get that. You know, says you like stuff, you don't like stuff. But my mom reads like two books a week and then she hit this one and she couldn't get past you know the first 10 pages to me that's fascinating but i think i'm like you i i can't stop reading it i mean this is a book <laughs> i i carry with me to you know uh to bedtime so that while my son's in the shower i can read half a page you know before he gets out and i gotta read more harry potter um but they're just yeah i i can't stop um i could almost see i don't know if i'll be able to resist continuing reading but i could almost see you know reading one per summer for the next 
three summers. It almost feels like I want to read one every May kind of thing. How about you, Ryan? What do you got on the sweaty summer book list? So, I mean, I have to admit to the listeners that I, I grossly misinterpreted the text message about this topic. When we told you to think of a sweaty <laughs> book, what did you what, what did you think we meant? Was that it not said, clear enough for you? It said sweaty book recommendations, <laughs> and uh, and I mis I misunderstood. However, I will. I have two things I'll recommend. One I'm reading now, and one I am planning to read soon. So they're not entirely off, although. I'm happy to get uh, these recommendations from you guys. It sounds very interesting. Uh, I've got some stuff to add to the list. And so currently I'm reading Vacation Land by John Hodgman. Oh, yeah. And enjoying that, uh, you know, quick and easy, entertaining read. Uh, He's a funny guy, and I'm enjoying that. And so I'd recommend that. And then what I'm looking forward to reading is Nick Offerman's newest book, Where the Deer and the Antelope Play, which is about he and Jeff Tweedy and George Saunders uh, foray into the wilderness and canoeing and whatnot, and, uh, and you know, I, presuming stories and, and revelations of, of the time in the woods with those three, uh, I imagine, can only be... Uh, entertaining and funny, and uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. Hopefully, a pre-recommendation it doesn't turn out to be a, a willful mistake, but uh, I'm going to do it anyway because I, I think uh, it's a safe bet. I just remembered I have that book. Oh, oh really? Yeah, I got it for uh, I got it for Hanukkah. It's been in a pile well, waiting, waiting for <laughs> waiting for the summer. <laughs> Well, Ryan, I think you've recommended Conan O'Brien's podcast episode with Nick Offerman, which I I took your recommendation and listened. And that, if that's any indication, uh, it's a sounds like it's going to be a good book. I mean, those are three three lions of uh, white male middle age creativity, uh, pretty much just speaking the take note language right there. Uh, I think we. I might only dislike it out of sheer jealousy and, and <laughs> petty spite. That's a. I think that's a great idea, though. Now, do you actually have uh, recommendations for sweaty notebooks? <laughs> Did you misinterpret this enough to actually be useful to our listeners? I didn't uh, exactly prepare for that prompt either. Other than than realizing. As I was using mine feverishly to take statistics and uh, little league games, that switching to pencil was essential, and uh, <laughs> and just embracing the abuse that the book's going to take in your sweaty pocket is now, just something you have to get over. I am in the same room with Ryan, and I can see his field notes that he's holding, and it has the telltale ripples of a book <laughs> that has been moistened and dried and re-moistened again. <laughs> Time, uh, many times over. So. There's there's red ball field dirt in this thing. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a thing of beauty. That's awesome. <laughs> I fantastico. I use uh, I use my phone as a sweat blocker when I'm when I'm taking a okay. walk. It's sweaty. I uh, make sure that my phone is closest to my skin in my pocket. But anyway, I don't want to talk about my pocket skin. I don't like that phrase at all. <laughs> How does it? Nothing should be touching your skin. I mean, it's not touching pocket. my skin. It's closest to my, closest to my skin. 
<sighs> um, but I did come up with a, uh, a recommendation to fit your discomfort and maybe nostalgia of sweaty books. Um, there's a, a horrible and tragic true crime book called The Adversary, which is very, very readable and very discomforting. And it is a, it's a great true crime page turner about set in France, uh, Switzerland. I think actually Switzerland and, or France is part of the plot. I think the guy moves between the two. It's tragic. You might cry, but it is, uh, it's discomforting and it is a page turner. It's The Adversary by Emmanuel Carrera. All right. So the other part of this is that we're going to talk about our creativity goals for the summer. I think, uh, we were in like a heady space last week, Ted, filled just the uh, the opportunities that summer provided us were open and to us. Just ambition. Ambition. Ambition spilling out of our ears. And we didn't have to actually do any of the work for a week. So <laughs> uh, I did make a list of... Uh, it's really biting us in the ass now. That's right. Well, it got cold here, so I don't know. That's my excuse. No, uh, I made a list. Um, it's kind of all over the place, but I think I'm just going to go through this list and then it, it ends up with the thing that I, you know, actually, a few pages after I made this list, I started working on something, and I've kept working on it, so I'll talk about that a little bit. So um, it is all over the place, but uh, uh, listen to the radio and write is one of the things that I wrote down. I've been uh, listening to a lot of BBC radio, like uh, the BBC Three is the classic station, and BBC Six is like the, uh, the um, like, where they play like rock music now and and some the mixtape i'd call it the, the mixtape the mix station. station so i listen and you know i used to 20 ish years ago listen to the radio and like just write and have it in the background and so I've, I've been enjoying that and so that's one of the things on here the next thing on my summer goals i didn't write summer creativity girls or summer goals drink gin um because i think i made this list while having a little bit of gin uh, um, but it does really put you in a uh, summery nautical kind yeah. of vibe. Uh, it does. One thousand words of summer. I wrote down here. There's a writer, Jamie Attenberg. She has a Substack, um, and every summer, I think for two weeks in June, she does a thing called one one thousand words of summer. Every day you write a thousand words, and she does a really good job of kind of telling you how to prep for that and it could be 1,000 words on anything so you know it's not happening yet so I've said sure I should definitely do that um, <laughs> written, I've written this on, down one thing here that I just can't read um, well do you what do you think do you think there's something about summer that uh, that sparks your, your desire to create I mean I think for me, it was this confluence of reading Ferrante, who's one of those writers that I put her alongside Larry McMurtry and Chabon, who you read them and they just make you want to write. And so it's been a bit of a confluence where, you know, longer days, a little more things ease up a little bit, and then you're reading a great writer and you just want to put pen to paper. Is there something in that for you? I, I was thinking about the longer days. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you could find the time. If you if you actually were one of those people that, like, woke up with the sun and went to bed with the sun, you could definitely find the time. Or you can, I don't know, so you feel, just from all the sun, you feel a little more awake in the middle of the night and you can turn on the radio and write. Um, and so I did start, I don't even know where it came from, 
really, but I did start working on a story, and I came up with a phrase that doesn't actually really fit this story, but fits in a kind of fits some vague idea of the last two stories I've been working on, and the phrase is "run good." <laughs> the the phrase is "country songs for clones," and I I just uh, these. The stories are not about clones, but they're about the world being just a little bit different. And uh, country songs for clones is the phrase that has been running through my head for days. And so that is my summer creativity goal has something to do with that. And the two stories I've been working on in my mind, like that could be the, that's the album title for the stories, country songs for clones. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Fantastic. What about you guys? Well, I think my first goal is going to write a list of different things country songs can be for. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I mean, I guess I'll go ahead. Um, Yes. I mean, generically speaking, I mean, my the the biggest thing I would just want to do this summer is to kind of get back to it. I feel like. I've been on somewhat of a hiatus or just a complete slowdown in recent history where I've, you know, also started some stuff, but I just have a list of things waiting to be revised and I just haven't finished much or, or done much drawing or anything like that. So I think it's like a getting back to a good priority balance is, I guess, the way to sum that up as my number one thing I just I like your idea of kind of combining a couple of things there if I can you know watch the Astros or Formula One and also draw or write at the same time that's two things that can definitely be done at once but yet I I seem to choose one or the other all the time and you know I was teasing myself the other day about the fact that I've been really trying to keep up with, you know, all the, all the things that I want to consume and, you know, trying to keep up with my New Yorkers and stuff like that and not get behind. And it's like all these other creative things I want to do. And, you know, I end up reading something that I'm genuinely interested in reading in the New Yorker instead of creating something myself. And, you know, I just got to figure out how to, do both of those things a little bit and <laughs> balance yeah. things out a little bit better. I go through the same thing. You know, we've been baseball season and little league, and so I'm like making lineups and taking notes on practices and doing all this other stuff, and that's over. So I feel like I'm like, no excuses. I got to get back to you know. I feel like sometimes. Sometimes there's things that are rewarding that compel you because the timing of them. I mean, you and I both would probably, you know, spending time making Little League lineups is is what we want to be doing, and that's why we signed up for it. And you're not sitting there thinking, I should be writing a short story right now. Because you're just compelled and you're, you're sucked into it. And I feel like, you know, reading a great book that you love is another thing. You're sucked in. You're not wondering... Oh, I should be reading something because you're like, you're so into it. Um, but then, yeah, kind of reevaluating. All right, what do I want to accomplish? Yeah, creatively? I've been just missing the creativity lately. So that's why I'm, I'm motivated, uh, you know, even before uh, 
you know, this topic came up. I had already been sort of plotting how I was going to get myself back in gear to, to get the creativity going again. Uh, I think maybe some fake stories from camp <laughs> might be in my future. My kids are going to go to camp one week this summer and maybe I'll write some uh, some fake stories from their perspective of <laughs> weird things that have happened at camp or something. <laughs> so what you're... Uh... What you were saying about um, trying to do two things at once actually kind of reminded me that the whole radio thing for me kind of got me there is, so I I take a walk every day and sometimes, uh, most of the time, I feel very efficient if I like put on a news podcast or something and it can be like super illuminating and electrifying and just fantastic for me. But I think I kind of like need a break from that or I need to like only do it half the time and the other half of the time, either nothing's in my ears and I just let my mind wander or like listening to the radio or listening to music and just still allowing my mind to wander because I do feel a little like, and it's funny because it is really stimulating and really electrifying. It can help me like clarify thoughts sometimes. It'd be very rewarding to listen to that stuff. But at other times, it can just be like way too, like I'm just taking things in and I'm not actually letting yeah. my mind wander. Yeah, I've been feeling that way about listening to more music. Like I just haven't been doing that enough either. And that, you know, I'm more, more inclined to be inspired by listening to a great album on a walk than, you know, a funny podcast or something that I enjoy, but it just has a different effect. Right. I think what I miss in a sense in along these lines is you know let's say you've got a story idea you know country songs for uh for for uh recovering uh beanie baby uh addicts um (laughs) and you know you listen to an album or you listen to the radio music i'm thinking with a creative idea in your head that you want to marinate on and then using that open-endedness of music to marinate on that idea and kind of, you know, think of where you want to go next and really reflect. Um, that to me, I miss. Because I, you know, when I turn music on these days, it can almost be a little too open-ended. Say I'm on a, you know, driving to work and and my mind starts racing and, you know, it almost gets itself to that stressful place on its own. And I want to put on a podcast to kind of, you know, disengage it from that channel. But when you've got a, a creative idea that's really thinking about making something or building a story or, you know, planning, planning something that's purely creative, I think that's kind of what I miss too, is like just living in that space. And, you know, for the, like NaNoWriMo, longer fiction piece, which I'm still kind of cooking along on here and there that was the last time that i really felt that and i think that's probably what i'll get into this summer is is just letting that story continue to steep and using ferrante to try and kind of be more deliberate about how i'm writing and and you know one thing i was thinking about the other day is you know i need to and i think george saunders addresses all this really well but i need to be more of an illusionist when I'm writing, you know, really thinking deliberately, okay, I'm going to withhold some information here to try and be, I think Ryan, you're really good at this too, but try and be cagey uh, and and mysterious and intriguing in order to entice and titillate the reader. Um, So that's, that's Ferrante makes me feel that way. 
Um, so I'll probably try and keep working on that same long project with a little more of a lens of like, uh, you know, using some tricks and some, some, some feints and maneuvers more than I do naturally when I sit down to write where I pretty much just like describe things. That's a really good idea. I'm glad you said that because it gives me the idea for Rainbow the Bear in Low Places. <laughs> my next story. Well, let's do this again next week, Adam. What do you say? Uh, insert country song reference here. <laughs> Ryan, it has been a pleasure. As always, uh, look forward to number 160 already. I am sorry that our regulations restrict us from seeing or speaking to each other in the meantime. <laughs> I'm hoping we can have those bylaws adjusted. I've been talking to my team of lawyers, but uh, until we get that hashed out, I look forward to speaking with you next time when we sit down to record then. Until then, thank you guys. We are on Twitter. Take note, pod is our tag over there. You can find us online at takenote.space. It doesn't sound like a website, but it sure is and there's lots of good content on our blog in particular over there that you can dig through lots of great notebook posts that adam has been building you can find uh how to sign up for our newsletter on that site too uh, send you the occasional prompt to get your creative juices flowing let us know how your prius died would you please and in the meantime take care